welcome to the Woken Dead Show. I'm Tom. And Jeff. Hey Jeff, how's it going? It's going good. Welcome back. Glad to see you this week. Yeah, it's been another, another, it seems like political season has just made it perfect for us to start this podcast again this week to we're, tackle some issues. We're certainly having some interesting conversations. Absolutely. So, um... Just to start the show, we're 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 gonna talk about our fuck ups. <laughs> do, do, gonna do a little housekeeping on uh, on some things, and so I'm just gonna dive right into that. We we want to at least be mindful of you know misinformation that we're spreading, and so if we say something incorrect, eventually we're gonna want to hear from others. But for now, we're gonna be self editing and trying to make sure that we're not misinforming you. So. Our one person that's listening right now. Uh, Thank you, one person. Glad to have you back. So, last week I had spoken on the Bernie honeymoon thing in a bit of a passion and had uh, misspoken that he had gone to Moscow. He was actually, his diplomatic mission was to go to Yaroslavl, Russia, which is a sister city of Burlington, Vermont, in 1988. Uh, he did leave the day after he got married, but it is it is more coincidental than deliberate that he did so. So it wasn't entirely, you know, separate from his marriage, but it was, again, more coincidental. If you use his words against him, you can say, when he said sarcastically, it was like a honeymoon. So just to give some context for this program, the Sister City program that I said all mayors do, which is also not correct, a lot of mayors do this. More than 2,000 cities, states, and counties are partnered in over 140 countries around the world. A local example, here in Denver, we have multiple sister cities, including the capital of Mongolia, Ulaanbaatar. So, so that was my fuck-up last week. And I also fucked up on uh, when, I, when I misspoke and said that we were the descendants of apes. We're actually the descendants of a common ancestor with apes. So, so. Oh, well, I have a fuck-up as well, I may say. I messed up where I stated that uh, it was FDR that created Medicare. It was actually Lyndon B. Johnson who passed Medicare. And during that research, I also found out that during our last episode, we were talking about the black vote. He was the one that initiated the Voting Rights Act in 1965 as well. Well, see, those are things I, I didn't necessarily know. So this is all beneficial to our our learning which is why we're here so exactly so i'm just going to jump into the the bit that i've written which is about disagreement and i feel like where we are in this race between bernie and biden is about to highlight some differences and some disagreements that are about to ascend on the left so even though we're not even halfway through this if bernie is denied a win once more he will have undeniably shaped the political views of young people for decades to follow. Like I've stated before, it is strange that AOC and Biden are in the same party, as she's pointed out, that why, why, why would they be in the same party in this country? So it just doesn't seem that a lot of progressives have a place to go. Yeah, and it seems as though because of how our political machine works there's a lot of power there tom so to run as anything else as a republican or democrat uh is is, is just not feasible to do you need the money the financial backing you need uh the 
Congress and senators, there's politics that go down the ballot that, that impacts for you or independent to come in and say, oh, yeah, we're going to be uh, even like the Libertarian Party or uh, Jill, Dr. Jill Stein is one an example as well. That struggle to run as something else besides these huge parties that we have in play now because of other reasons is a struggle. One, and, you know, this is the game we have to play. Like, you also apparently need the, the support of the establishment in order to run. And we're going to talk about, Joe, nothing will fundamentally change Biden later, and also dive into how Bernie might proceed if he wants to stay in this thing. But first, I'd like to talk about the virtues of disagreement and uh, raise the question of, are we still disagreeing? I, I, I wonder if we have been isolating ourselves and preventing ourselves from engaging in productive disagreements. So, so let's recall the candidacy of John Kerry, who is constantly attacked for being a flip-flopper, so-called, on issues of the Iraq War, healthcare spending, etc. Uh, the GOP had declared it a crime, essentially, to waver on one's opinion. And when I recall the instances in my life where I have changed my mind, they were always instigated by the gain of some kind of new information. You might call this learning. So certainly an elected official should take a greater degree of caution when vocalizing an opinion that has direct consequences, like deciding whether or not to send people across the ocean to die. But why was Kerry not, you know, celebrated for reconsidering his endorsement of the Iraq War. Didn't history eventually side with his observation that the Iraq War was a big mistake? No, because he was fully on board and proud of it. That Yeah, it, it's trying to play it both ways. And, and maybe so in, in that case, it's a legitimate criticism. But I still feel like one should have the freedom to change their mind. Um, George Orwell said that to see what is in front of one's nose needs a constant struggle. He was an individual that valued his own changes in perspective. He deliberately put himself in situations where he would be forced to confront his own biases. And I feel like doing so is more important than ever. We have an existential threat to the, to the human species on our hands. And if you believe the scientists, we need to act and act fast. We have to cooperate. And I don't think that either party can solve this problem on their own. So in 2016, Business Insider created this visualization of the bipartisanship in Congress over the last 60 years. And I feel like this video really highlights a sad story in our politics. It would seem that in my lifetime, there hasn't been any bipartisanship, compromise, and just a further polarization between the parties. And you can watch the members of each party just slowly drifting apart to the point that none of them do any bipartisan bills and they're just circling the wagons around their respective sides. Just red versus blue. And so I know for a fact that people can change their minds or have their opinions softened because I've done you know, quite a bit of changing myself and largely thanks to some, some patient and kind people. And I had a pretty dysfunctional upbringing that changed, you know, where I changed addresses a lot. And so it's possible I might be uniquely adapted to changing circumstances. But I believe that no one side or party or religion or ethnic group or economic class holds any kind of monopoly on goodness, nor can any group claim exclusive rights to assholery. Throughout most of history, since the invention of language, if you were to have a disagreement with someone, that person was guaranteed to be in your physical presence. And it would generally have been unlikely that this person was a total stranger, 
And if you were to dehumanize that person with insults or hostility or maybe racism, that person could be just as hostile right back to you. Our current situation is a bit different, and I think the experience of the internet can be de best described with the concept known as the greater internet fuckwad theory, which goes as a person with anonymity and an audience will become a total fuckwad. So just as the Congress has polarized and isolated itself, it would seem that much of society has followed suit. Just as one can craft their own intellectual gated community with a steady stream of Fox and Rush and Breitbart, someone of a different political persuasion might also consume only the New York Times, Vox, or MSNBC. If you're a Facebook user, for instance, of either persuasion, you might use its tools to block or filter out the opinions of anyone you disagree with. I'm certainly guilty of avoiding these confrontations myself, of trying to be polite for politeness sake, because I feel like everyone has a right to their own opinion. Personally, I've never been convinced to believe otherwise by someone telling me I'm wrong about something. However, I think that one does a disservice to themselves and those they oppose by refusing to even talk about their differences, as if engaging with one's opposition is tantamount to agreement with those opposing views. It's been my experience that learning from others, especially those I disagree with, is critical to my understanding and, importantly, testing my beliefs. I feel that when such opportunities present themselves, I better understand myself and my opinions when I actively pit those beliefs against those that are contrary to mine. I think politeness is a critical ingredient to engage in those dialogues, but we shouldn't be afraid to disagree. It might be useful to consider that the founding people of this country, the Puritans, had a lasting effect on the collective consciousness of this country, distinct from the effects of, say, the convicts who settled Australia and the French who settled Canada. We have a particular mindset here. Puritanical thinking isn't really doing us any favors right now, it would seem. I think that if one expects others to be open-minded about their beliefs and opinions, that this must go both ways. One can hardly describe themselves as open-minded if they've never considered opposing viewpoints. If we want change, we must be willing to change ourselves, and if we can't change, then we must at least seek common ground with others. Feel free to disagree with me, but it seems that most people are complex and sometimes even contradictory, that each person has something to contribute to the human story. If someone were to truly feel that they have never been wrong about anything, never wavered, then it's highly likely that those beliefs haven't truly been tested and are perhaps more fragile than they should be comfortable with. So I guess what I'm trying to say is that John Kerry should definitely run for president. Again? Oh. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that, because as we deal with, you know, a political year, there's a lot of disagreements going on. And I don't think we as a culture have really figured out how to deal with disagreements. Um, we have so much information that we receive from our different silos, whether that's news or church or political party. How, how do we get things done in the midst of disagreements? Because that graph that you show, you know, so unfortunately, you all can't see it, but there's a graph here where I'm seeing just red, blue, red, blue, maybe a little bit of purple for a second, and then it just goes back and forth. What what can we do, despite our disagreements, still find common ground to get something done? I mean, what we can do is we have to engage with with uh, the people we probably just don't want to talk to. <laughs> I think easier said um, than done. It, it is easier said than done, and... Relating to this story that, that I was working on this week, I, I called
called my grandmother, who I have a lot of disagreements with politically and otherwise, and just wanted to open a dialogue and practice interviewing. Just setting the stage for you, Jeff, like grandma, aka Gangan, she's a rural white Trump supporter who has said he's her man and she is, you know, no fan of socialism. She, you know, believes, you know, her her religious beliefs, they supersede all other issues for her in her life. And so sometimes it's kind of difficult to have these these conversations, but I still feel like I understand myself better, even if I'm talking to somebody who just I don't expect to ever change her mind. Yeah, and I, I think you're one of many in America that really has to deal with the division amongst their families and being able to still have a certain level of respect and integrity to understand that you can't change someone's mind, but yeah. uh, what, what do you do to help facilitate maybe a new learning method to say maybe we should try things this way? Or... Or not even try things this way. Just understand why I do certain things this way as opposed to the way you believe I should do them. It seems a little bit more control that you have uh, within your own actions as opposed to reacting to those who disagree with you. Because reaction to disagreements, uh, we've seen that in you know, the 50s and 60s especially, causes a lot of anger and victimization, which we hear a lot about nowadays. Everyone's a victim. It's not that everyone's a victim, but sometimes we need to understand where someone's coming from a little bit more. Mm -hmm. But just because they don't believe and talk the way we want them to, we we feel as though we don't need to understand anything. And some people legitimately are victims. Nothing wrong with that either. (laughs) That, That some people have been disadvantaged from the cradle. For us to just not even acknowledge maybe the lack of advantage or entitlement that that person experienced due to their economic situation, due to systemic racial discrimination. Talk about the root cause of disagreement. You know, we had a quote last week that said that um, Matt Turner, um, really trying to figure out how do we communicate where it really erases the, the confusion and clarity. But that really relies on the communication style that you use. So we really need to dig into aspects of communication styles. And, you, you know, for me, my background, psychology, uh, how to become genuinely present in a moment and be active listeners. Uh, not waiting to respond, but being able to sit with the moment to say, I hear that. I may not understand it, but I hear you. Uh, we struggle putting ourselves, uh, you know, it's funny with the coronavirus going on right now where they say, Wash your hand for 20 seconds. But I don't know if you sit in the sink for 20 seconds and really realize how long 20 seconds is washing your hands. Sing happy birthday twice. There you go. That's a much easier method. Don't do it quickly. Don't do it quickly. And just, just let's just do this this year. And then you can go back to being filthy slobs and never washing your hands. <laughs> yeah. And passing along the stomach flu and every other kind of blue virus that's out there right now. So I, I, I love this disagreement. Uh, situation that you brought up because there's going to be a lot of disagreement even in the political parties that we have right now just within the democratic party where biden and bernie their differences are pretty stark but because of how information is filtered people are not aware of the stark differences between those two and there's this it's a plethora of issues why 
they're not aware, check to check, living. You know, the survey where uh, I read, uh, I think it was last week, where someone making $150,000 is also living check to check compared to someone that's $40,000 as well on a family income. So I'd like to see if I could save some money making that much money because I feel like I could. I (laughs) I think we have a big issue going on here, Tom, because there's a spending issue. And, yeah. you know, there's a keeping up with the Joneses and trying to look like we're keeping up with the Joneses. And it creates this tension of you have, I don't have, you're a victim, I'm not a victim. And there's this disagreement that goes on here that we're not getting to the root issue of how we're all being kind of screwed right now. Well, and, and also how the planet is getting screwed by these, you know, insatiable appetites of, mm-hmm. of those who who can who can spend a hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year and not save any money? Like, that's pretty bad. That's that's a huge appetite. How much are they drinking and smoking like, every day to to spend that much money? Right, and um, it, but I think it goes down to the how information is filtered again. You know, you've been told that you got to have the biggest, the best, the baddest, the fastest of whatever it is that we desire here in America, and that's the American dream. And and we desire that. And and for those who don't have it, we feel like, hey, screw them. They don't have it. They didn't do what we needed to do to get all this, which most people just got more debt anyway than they can afford, apparently, because they're living paycheck to paycheck still on 150K a year. Consuming as much crap as you possibly could wasn't always the American dream. <laughs> it used to be that a person in the lowest rung of society could climb to the highest rung. And that just does not exist in America. The The American dream has been outsourced to other countries where they do this much better. And we, you know, the ladder is now just exponentially higher. Uh, if you really want to consider yourself rich in this country, I guess now you have to be a billionaire. A millionaire is not going to cut it anymore. No. So I'm curious, Tom, with difficult conversations, especially this year, what would you recommend for individuals who say, all right, I'm a Bernie supporter and my folks are voting for Trump Mm. or I'm going to vote for Biden and my kids are voting for Bernie? Well, comrades, (laughs) I would say you need to embrace those capitalists and have a dialogue, establish a dialogue with them. And, you know, if you if you want, you can do what I did with with my grandma and say, I just want to practice interviewing you. I want to ask you some things about your your political background, what your political beliefs are and be respectful and be open minded. And don't be afraid that you're going to leave that conversation having changed, you know, changed your mind to 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 believe something that doesn't work for you. I, I, I personally I'm pushing myself to go out of my comfort zone and to talk to people who historically I've avoided uh, having these hard conversations with. I agree, Tom. I think I would say for individuals, uh, get all your silos, you know, especially the younger individual, younger population um, who's on social media, like a conservative group. Uh, Mm. Follow someone conservative on Twitter to just see the dialogue. And kind of familiarize yourself with what someone not in your circle, your political sphere is talking about, because that matters and that allows you to relate and hopefully find common ground. And there are, you know, there's this new show on uh, YouTube 
the the rising show with crystal ball and so she's on the left she's the bernie supporter and her her uh, uh her collaborator is his name is sagar and he's he is the new right he's like a young conservative but he's like a bernie bro so it's a little it's a little he's a little you know an, an equally complex character and i enjoy hearing his his viewpoints even if i don't agree with him all the time he's respectful and so there are people out there that that can contribute to to our understanding who don't agree with us so absolutely well all right well i think that does it for the this piece so jeff what what uh, are you going to report on for us next week um well yeah, next week, Tom, I want to talk about a little bit more of the criminal justice system that we have here in America. Um, I, I, I want to learn a little bit more about how much money is actually made in these for-profit systems. We had mm. uh, Nathaniel Woods uh, being uh, executed this week. Um, and, uh, and then also we had 24 deaths in 67 days in Mississippi prisons that are not being reported. So... There's some situations, there's a whole slew of things going on that uh, that led us here in this business model. Right, well, I look forward to hearing about that, and now we will jump over to the discussion segment. And we are back. Yes, Tom, so... What are we discussing this this week? Well, we had Super Tuesday. And, um, it was a... It was a super Tuesday. It was a super Tuesday. That was the Empire struck back. The Empire struck back. You know, the 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 person came out of the coffin, came back from the dead, and revitalized their whole entire campaign with some big, significant wins. You say revitalize, and I just think, ironically, weekend at Bernie's. Yeah, that's basically what happens. They are propping up a corpse. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we had some huge endorsements from Joe Biden this week. Uh, you know, coordinated with, endorsements. Coordinated, which I hear started with a call from Obama. He he made some calls. You know, like the the establishment's reach is so large and vast, and their influence was largely demonstrated this past week as well. Because, you know, with the phone call from Obama. And some key endorsements with Pete. I don't know what they promised Pete uh, or Amy. Definitely a position in his government. Yeah. And, and it just went all downhill real quick. Or we don't know what happened because there was a significant uh, support, amount of support from black voters uh, that went for Joe Biden. I'm sure the Russians will reveal all of this right before the Democrats. <laughs> Here we are. Russia, Russia, campaign. Russia. You know, this, we always blame Russia. I'm not saying I'm not I don't have anything on Russia. I'm not blaming them. I'm just saying this is what will happen. Yeah, something <laughs> happened, and it significantly turned the tide in favor of Joe Biden to become the new front runner of Democratic primary presidential candidate. Well, say what you will about the Democrats. They were they got their shit together and they smothered it in its sleep. Right, and you talk about the endorsement from uh, Clyburn, Senator Clyburn in South Carolina. That's uh, huge. It, it seemed like it was huge. I, I, you know, I Biden clobbered Bernie in that in that race. Right, and you know the thing is, we talked about the black vote last week. Biden doesn't offer anything to specifically Black Americans. So what happened where they got their vote? Like what 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 happened between 
Bernie differentiating himself between Biden and what policies he would impact specifically to the 60% of black Americans that voted in South Carolina last week. There's some differences there that were not highlighted. And it seems like black people gave their vote away little to nothing because Biden didn't promise. And also Biden didn't campaign in a lot of these areas that he won. So what is going on, Tom? What happened? I, I think that this speaks to just as much the failures and maybe lack of electability on the part of Pete Buttigieg and, and Amy Klobuchar. Even though Pete narrowly squeaked out a win of delegates in Iowa or tied with Bernie in Iowa, he's so quick to just throw this whole thing away. Like, all right, I, I made my point. I'm all done. If they consider Biden to be a stronger candidate than Amy or Pete, I feel like that's sort of evidence that they were poor candidates to begin with and that this was never really the rate, you know, race of many opposing viewpoints that that it was advertised as and and if you look at some of the reporting from the corporate news media where they were saying, you know, if all the moderate candidates add their votes together, then they'll beat Bernie. And and that was at the time, absurd, because that's not the way that elections go. But this seems to be essentially that. They they all consolidated their efforts and told all their constituents, vote for Biden, and they did. Yeah, and we're here in Colorado, and I'm hearing that Mayor Pete, former Mayor Pete, and Amy Klobuchar had called our Secretary of State, Jenna Griswold, and stated to remove them, their names off the ballots. Hmm. Uh, well, it's a little late because like the ballots went out a month ago. So right. they obviously weren't that informed about the way elections work in Colorado. And it's all about the power, it seems like, just to figure out a way to disregard the people and, and, and endorse who they feel should be president as opposed to who the people may decide. Uh, who can be the next potential president of the United States because they had... A huge following of individuals and just, just to scrap it all up you know we, we look at elizabeth warren who didn't do too well during super tuesday um she's she took a moment to figure out uh whether you know what side to take or not but she took a moment to decide on you know due to her supporters whether she should drop out or not and my goodness tulsi still tulsi gabbard still in it we can't forget about tulsi Tulsi's not going anywhere. I hope she's on the debate stage, sort of, because I do think that we need somebody to call out this nonsense. And uh, it would be really funny if somehow Tulsi made made some some waves. Uh, I don't think Tulsi's going to get on the stage at all because they keep changing so the rules. Either. They changed the rules for Bloomberg to get on the stage, but Tulsi got the delegate she needed from America, Samoa, I believe. Yep. And then they decided to change the rules again. And so I feel so horrible for her because I think... She had, uh, she has a, a key voice that we need to hear. And being a veteran and wanting to end a lot of endless wars, I don't think our military... Which our Republican nutso president is actually doing by talking to the Taliban. Oh, but and... did you also hear that I think missiles were shot uh, or, or, or there was conflict right after that? Right after that? Diplomacy, supposedly. Oh, I'm sure it's insincere. I, I mean, the, the, you've seen him with his like menu of tanks and 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 planes and stuff that he was selling to the Middle East. 
So, like, he, he's, you know, he's, he's, he, he wants to make some money for America, and he doesn't care about peace or, or uh, unending wars. Uh, he cares about it when it's politically expedient for him. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, it feels as though uh, the people that empower, they really don't care about who wins the war. They figure out, they figure out a way to win the resources and be able to sail more bullets and bombs and uh, whatever else you need to fight your enemy, even though your enemy is the one selling you all the junk that you don't need right now. So I'm rooting for Tulsi to get on the debate stage, but I'm not like that. I, I wouldn't hold your breath. Yeah. <laughs> if they're going to screw over Bernie when he, you know, was actually a, a decent contender and had delegate a delegate count, they're not even going to give Tulsi a chance. Uh, because she has just as many nitpicks with the Democratic Party as Bernie has, I, I it would seem. So tell me, Tom, what's, what, what is the difference between a Bernie and a Joe Biden? Because that's what it's coming down to. It's coming down to a two-man show. You know, the Royal Rumble's over. We've got the last two men um, standing. Well, one woman that won't allow into the ring. But we got uh, these last two Old white dudes that are battling it out. We're what, just going. We're going back to what's familiar in America. There we go. And that's an old white man. So, um, but, but these two old white men could not be more different in their in their political beliefs. And Joe Biden stated himself to a, a congregation of rich donors that nothing is fundamentally going to change. So I'm going to take him for his word that that's that was a true statement and that he ultimately just wants to ride this wave of of Wall Street success and low low unemployment, which I don't think fully describe the American condition, because these are just numbers that can be manipulated by business owners anyways to present the American people with a false sense of everything's okay. Yeah. And, and, you know, to follow up with that, Wall Street has been going out of control. Mm-hmm. And after Super Tuesday... It's the only thing Trump cares about. Like, he, he doesn't care about the coronavirus statistics, and he's going to lie about that. But Wall Street... It's, it's bread and butter. But you got to live and die by it as well. And, and Biden, since he won, and you mentioned earlier, he, he's not going to allow fundamental change. The Wall Street markets, the stock markets went up. A little bit because they felt more safe and secure with a Biden presidency right. as a Bernie presidency. And this is just this is just uh, ridiculous that this casino is affecting our elections and influencing our politics and and our collective consciousness. Because most people don't invest, most people do not have investments, most people do not have this privilege to live off of their investments like the aristocracy of this country do and it should be it should be prohibited it should be illegal for for these outside moneyed interests to influence our politics in any way whether it's lobbyists or you know wall street traders throwing their weight around to just essentially vote for joe biden in another way like nobody in wall street is ever going to support bernie sanders right so he's just he he is he is fighting an uphill battle in every aspect. And that's the thing that I think, you know, the young Bernie voters who didn't show up don't get. That that he poses a serious existential threat to America in ways that Obama did not. Obama had that packaging of 
hey, I'm, a, I'm here to disrupt. Yeah. And I'm here to change some things. Because I see what you see, that this country is fucked up. And, right. and some things need to change. But he wasn't going to be the first black president and a revolutionary at the same time. I feel, feel like that was a tall order. And maybe he abuse that that uh, assumption on the American people or by the American people that he was going to be both of those things. And maybe he saw some shit that we don't know about. And, you know, maybe the deep state came and put a gun to his head and said, you're going to do what we say because we're the ones who really own this country. Yeah, um, I feel, and maybe we'll never know. Yeah, it seems like Obama was just a great fit for being that center, uh, that moderate Democrat. And, you know, it kind of... You know, this is maybe a bad analogy, but it's, it's like chocolate Easter bunny. And you take a bite in it and it's completely hollow in the middle. Um, that's kind of what Obama symbolized to me with his policies. There was nothing in the middle once you took a bite out of it. And, you know, to dig a little bit more uh, into these differences between Bernie and Biden, I'm still struggling to understand like, how, how would you put this guy in front can he can he endure? He hasn't talked to the press. They they're, they're hiding him away from doing interviews. Mm. Um, like it, you know, we know Bernie had a heart attack. Cool, <sighs> great. Yeah, but Joe Biden's clearly is not as sharp as he once was. And do you think that the uh, corporate news media will uh, scrutinize Joe Biden's health and challenge him to to provide some? medical records that prove he has the mental fitness for this job do you think that that will happen unfortunately the conservatives conservative will really run these ads um it's especially us we've been watching it lately where he's been confused on how many times um it's been so many gaffes and there's just this past week um to expect him maybe this is a blessing for him and trump because trump really doesn't probably want to debate and uh, neither does Joe Biden at this point. Maybe he's not in the best mental capacity. Uh, only thing I'm hearing, I'm hearing is I was there, and we've done that, and we've tried that. And you gotta believe in me, Joe. Three o three. I can't remember the rest of my number. Donate to me. Let's yeah. Let's just kind of go down the list of the maybe concerning things about picking Joe Biden as our candidate because. I want to defeat Donald Trump just as much as anybody else. Okay, that's high on my list of priorities. But I also feel like we got to pick a candidate who can do that. I don't. I don't want to do Trump's work for him, but I think it's worth worth it to really put Biden under the microscope right now. So I'm just going to rattle off some 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 issues. So most recently, when he was celebrating his win on Super Tuesday, he confused his wife and his sister. He forgot the words to the Declaration of Independence. He forgot that he was running for president and said he was running for the Senate. He has these weird confrontations with people where he says, you're a dog-faced pony soldier, or challenge me to some push-ups. Uh, his like folksy language, the malarkey stuff, is potentially alienating to younger voters. He claims he was struggling when he was making a senator's salary in 1973, uh, that salary was 42000 And adjusted for today, that would be 250000 annually. So he was not struggling. He was a single dad. $250,000 is going to make that a lot easier. And he is weird and handsy with women. I'm sure everybody you know has seen those videos. He 
in a similar vein, he failed to give adequate justice to Anita Hill. Act, you know, and he said that he regretted his conduct there, but I don't think he's really done enough to resolve that issue. He said to rich donors, as stated before, things won't change. He played a key role in instigating the Iraq war and was the second person, if you watch the video, after W signed the, the order for us to go to war with Iraq, Joe Biden was the second person whose hand he shook. He worked closely with segregationists. He makes things up, like being arrested with Nelson Mandela. He forgets important things like the name of the person interviewing him. And his son has shady dealings that Trump is definitely going to attack him about mercilessly. Is this the best candidate? Is Trump going to ignore any of this shit? No. no. Because any one of these would be fine in isolation. But I worry about the totality of these things. Yeah, I think Trump will have a field day with this. As a professional liar, Trump is chomping at the bit to exploit all these weaknesses. The ads have already been made, right? I'm not sure. I haven't seen any, but... I'm I, sure they're just sitting on the, you know, they're just waiting. They've been made, they were made last year probably, and they're just sitting waiting for the right moment to release this thing that points out, you know, because the problem is that when they're on the debate stage and we want to talk about issues of racial justice, right? And if Joe Biden says, Trump, you're a racist and you're hurting the black community, Trump can come back with like, black people are doing so well under me and also fuck you, you worked with segregationalists, or maybe you were less progressive than than, than Bernie. Cause Ukraine. He, yeah, Ukraine, the, yeah. Your son. I mean, we're going to hear all of it, and it's about who has the ability to outshit one another. And again, and, we're all going to be taking another bite of a hollow Easter chocolate bunny again where there's no policies, there's nothing specifically talking to the individuals that are actually hurting, and it just becomes a television show. So I, I really want to weigh this on who we decide. Um, there's a huge age gap that we realize as well mm -hmm. uh, through Super Tuesday, where older voters overwhelmingly went for Joe Biden. The Texas voter suppression that happened as well, where people stood in lines for hours waiting to vote. Whether they, whoever they decided to vote for, it doesn't matter. But the fact that you had to wait for hours to vote is ridiculous. And, you know, it's simply it's like a modern age poll tax right now. So I'm curious to find out who is going to speak to the policies, not fluffy identity politics, but the actual policies that's going to impact the working class America. Because right now the scales are too far heavy over in corporations, in my humble opinion. And I don't think that corporations disproportionately favor black people. <laughs> Unless we're the, working I for would, them. I would say the opposite is true. Even for the ones that are working for them. Yeah, I would say that, that like that corporate America um is no more friendly to, you know, poor black working people than I don't know. Anyone uh, that's <laughs> working for them at this point. No no more friendly than any of the past industrial complexes that have victimized people of color yeah and i think we saw that tokenism on effect in the white house this week with trump inviting oh. uh who was it candace owens and diamond and silk I, I know i'm pretty hard on them but um it was know. hard to watch they they all stay he made them all give a, a loyalty pledge around the table oh, wow to to claim 
he is the best president since Abraham Lincoln. And and that was just so hard to watch. Yeah. I you know how much money did he pay them to say that? Hey, it sounds like it's a business model that's working for them right now to put them put some money right. in their pockets, and, even and though they're selling their souls. Being fair to them, like would I do any different <laughs> if I was I hope so. If did you do you remember the Cambridge Analytica scandal? with that gal who was at the center of it. She was a former employee of, of the of Cambridge Analytica. And, you know, they confronted her in the, these, these interviews, like, like, hey, American girl who kind of, like, gave cover to this company to essentially spy on the American people and use that data that they gathered to target particularly vulnerable people to push them to either stay home or to uh, vote for Trump uh, because Cambridge Analytica was working for Trump, essentially. And so this gal who was, you know, she kind of justifies all this because she had a poor upbringing. Like she was economically disadvantaged. She's a white gal, but like still from a very modest background. And so for her, you kind of see the situation that a lot of young you know, professionals are in where maybe they have crippling student loan debt or they're trying to help their parents get out of some kind of medical debt. I think that was part part of her situation. And it just seems like we're not really getting good representation in business or in politics if, if, if people are all desperate to the extent that they will say Trump is the greatest president since Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> and pledge a make a loyalty pledge exactly. at that. Essentially, that is what they were that he was making them. You know, they were on film doing this. It's not like they did this behind the scenes. Like you know, he filmed all this so he can, I don't know, touch himself at night or something. <laughs> yeah. Well, he hasn't touched his face in forever. I don't know how many weeks due to coronavirus, <laughs> but um, you know, things like that bothers me. And his attacks on Joe will be uh, pretty tough. So I want to figure out, like, what... I'm still perplexed to understand. What has Joe done? He's been a uh, senator for a very long time. So let's give yeah, him let's, some strokes let's, here. Let's give, let's give... Let's be fair to Joe for a, a moment. He, he, he has been in the Senate for a long time. Since 1973, he... he well, he's been in government for a long time. Uh, he served for 36 years in the Senate. And... He did one of his major achievements. The reason why I thought he was a good vice presidential candidate at the very least was that he did help pass the Violence Against Women Act. He co-sponsored that with Orrin Hatch, who, coincidentally, Orrin Hatch was also one of the assholes who was interrogating Anita Hill. So it seems like these two have this kind of history. Maybe they were making up for the Anita Hill thing by passing the, the Violence Against Women Act in 1994. Um, unfortunately, it's expired because when, uh, if you remember, when the government got shut down, it didn't get renewed. And so they made a temporary renew- renewal, but that also expired. And so now it's in limbo. So we don't have a Violence Against Women, Women Act currently. From my perspective, I guess he's better than Bloomberg. He doesn't actively hate Bernie or campaign against him. So... Even though Bernie is taking the gloves off because it's his, he has no choice. I think that's going to change here in the next couple couple of weeks. This this next debate will be a clarifying moment. What do you what do you think? Like wh- wh- where are we, and and what does Bernie have to do 
to catch up. I think Bernie need, needs to speak specifically to the issues to, of, of certain populations. Uh, to see Biden win that amount of the black vote with no substantial offering of what he would do to help some of the, the issues going on in the black community right now is mind-boggling. And I feel Bernie should be able to really highlight what he wants to talk about. Because right now we see Bernie winning overwhelmingly the Latino demographics. And uh, there's reasons behind that where he's speaking directly to some of their issues. And, and not a lot of people do. Like they are a minority that nobody seems to care about. Right. And even Obama, you know, they talked about a lot of the Dream Act and all this other stuff. But in really, reality, he turns out to be the, the deporter in chief was his nickname. Mm. So, again, we have to get to the, the policies of how these individuals impact us because the rhetoric is no longer working. Uh, well, maybe it is working because we have Donald Trump in office. And, um, you know, right now he's just corralling all his buddies and. You know, I was speaking with another friend earlier this week, and if I was in this position, it is hard to say, hey, man, I'm going to get all my friends out of prison. I'm the president. Do as I say. My friends should not be in prison. And it goes against all moral, ethical laws. Procedural. Everything. But that's what we have in the office right now. And we need to find a little bit more diplomacy on who we want leading this charge because I, I just don't think... Biden is strong enough to get across the finish line. I've heard that saying a few times, but I'm con I'm really concerned about that too. I'm I'm just trying to imagine Trump, who is younger and maybe less crazed than Biden is in his worst moments. Uh, I just I don't want Biden to be like, let's do some push-ups, Jack. Like that's gonna look real bad. And I think that can actually happen. So what I'm hearing or what I'm feeling, I should say, is. Beating Trump is an objective, but there needs to be actual policies that speaks to Americans. Other than things won't change, which is which is what Biden is, you know, seems to be running on. I don't let's, think let's, win. Like, let's be moderate with climate change and you know our 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 democracy being sold lock, stock, and barrel. I I feel this feels a lot like four years ago. Maybe it's not as bad as as it was four years ago when there was that moment before the California primary where it was sort of the beginning of the end for Bernie. But he had a he had a shot because Trump was like, "Hey, I'll debate anybody. I'll debate I'll debate Bernie because I've already cleared out. I've now cleared out the the whole Republican establishment." And he really wanted to instigate. And this might be why you know part of how his political savviness is that. Uh, he likes to highlight and 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 needle this this issue on the left or this this disagreement occurring on the left because he said I'll I'll debate Bernie or I'll debate either of you right now in California before the the primary and Bernie's like fine let's do it and they were going to schedule it and then Trump backs out because why because Hillary was favored to win overwhelmingly. Yeah, it's easy to take on a bully when you don't have to actually fight the bully. Yeah, and Trump has said that that Bernie was the only person who he was worried about Hillary making her vice president. The, he doesn't even attack Bernie. Either he is legitimately scared of Bernie or he's just being politically savvy and tapping into this animosity 
between the formerly Hillary supporters, now the Biden supporters, and the Bernie camp. Right. And and you know, I'm I'm still struggling with the fact that, you know, Trump he's not he's not as slow as we like to think as you know, as he is. Um, he's pretty quick and he's able to understand uh how to highlight a weakness. And I've been saying in the past few episodes here, he's has this somewhat of a soft spot for crazy Bernie, as he calls him. And he he really doesn't go on the attack. I think he thinks that Bernie would be an easy candidate to beat. Because I think that, in you know, for people of his generation, socialism is just so beyond the pale. And such a, just a, a zero starter for any candidate. And it's part of why Bernie has been in the fringes of the American politic for so long. For his entire career, he's been marginalized because... He doesn't think that we should disproportionately favor one group over another with the, you know, the way that we allocate resources. Like, just as an example, the, and, and I've raised this before, but the way that we allocate money to fund schools is just barbaric. It is cruel. And we, we, we need a different system. A system where, let's say, imagine that a rich neighborhood didn't always get the richest school and the poorest neighborhood didn't always get the poorest school. What if we just had a standard and all schools had to meet that standard? Because we don't care if you're rich or poor when it comes to educating our people. That's what's important, the outcome of that education. To me, this just seems counterproductive to that American dream that we supposedly are about here. Yeah, I completely agree, Tom, because when, you, when we talk about those differences in standards, someone from a poorer school di- uh, district... Uh, to tell them to pull themselves by boot by them boot, boot tell to tell them to pull themselves up by their bootstraps is different from someone that went to a charter school. So are there still the same uh, opportunities? Yes, but what one of those other students have to, has to do to achieve that is going to make uh, dare I say a better story for one, and the other one's just going to be the norm. And that is the issue. There should be the norm overall with the opportunities that uh, that are in front of us here as a country. And, you know, we're talking about public, edu- public education is one of those. So it's, it's a huge issue that is not being addressed enough. As we know how information is disseminated now, uh, it, it weighs on the future of decision-making processes as a population. Because, you know, if you're not informed, of course... Someone like a Biden who's just a personality or a Trump that's a personality can come in here and win. Right now, I don't want any more personalities winning. Mm -hmm. You can be a nice individual for sure, but I want someone that is really working for the American population. Well, Um, and working, I think, is the operative term here because our current president doesn't work. He watches TV. He golfs. He makes speeches that other people maybe help him write. And we should not underestimate, not necessarily his intelligence, but the intelligence of those who are feeding him information. They are firing on all cylinders right now to get this guy reelected. So they are going to use every trick in the book to to try and reelect this idiot. <laughs> right. And, and, you know, we're, li- we're living in an age of information now as well. And we talked a little bit about the Bernie Burrow the Bernie Bro movement seems to be classified, from my observation, 
just someone that calls these political establishment career politicians out on some of the decisions that they made. And if you call them out on some disagreements and and hold their feet to the fire, then you're a so-called Bernie bro. Um, it took me a moment to figure out why is this Bernie, Bernie bro narrative so, so resonant when we have Trump and his crazy parties and, you know, we have, you know... Uh, an we, actual sexist, an who, actual is, sexist. Who, says, who said incredibly degrading things about women. Mm-hmm. And then we have the Nazi flag coming down at a Bernie Sanders rally here a few days ago. Well, and I'm sure that they'll say he's a supporter of Bernie. Yeah, uh, Bernie who lost family members to the Nazis. And it was staged. So we, we really need to dig into components of how this race is going to be conducted and what side of history you want to be on. You want to know, Bernie immediately reacted to that guy dropping that flag. And he's like, you'll find that you're outnumbered. And and to me, I was just like that highlighted that this that this Biden thing it might not ha- be as strong as the the establishment would like to believe because I would I'm gonna wait and I'm gonna see how Biden does in that debate because he really needs to perform well to beat Trump. Really, he's got he's got it easy because like let's say that Buttigieg had made different decisions in his life and wound up being the boy Bernie and. <laughs> You know, let's close. let's imagine it was a young version of Bernie uh, running, a, you know, a, a populist candidate, run, you know, who had grassroots support, an army of supporters at, at his back. Let's say that guy was running against Biden. The debate would be very different. So really, Biden has a pretty favorable circumstance. Uh, I'll be interested to see how that goes. Is there anything else you'd like to discuss or should we wrap it up this week? You may want to wrap it up. We've got so many more issues we want to talk about, but we, we want to be mindful for our audience. We'll, we'll, we'll uh, look forward to, to talking at you again, one person. And so to we appreciate uh, you. To end this show, Jeff, you have a, not a quote this week, but a citation uh, from a book that's important to my grandma, at least. Yeah, and in honor of your grandma, I wanted to get some... Uh, some scriptures from the Bible. So what's so? What is this citation, Jeff? This citation is: "Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love." Ephesians four two. All right, that'll wrap it up. See you next week. See you next week, Tom. Mm-hmm.